starting in verse 1. Woo! My God. Verse 1, he says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. While it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and she came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came and following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head. Not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place all by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also. And he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own home. My God. I want to go through this this morning slightly different than you might expect. This chapter 20 of the book of John starts out with Mary going to the tomb early. Oh, I just spend all morning just talking a little bit about Mary and her love for Jesus. I believe that Mary was a woman that Mary had a sleepless night. Knowing in her mind what she wanted to do, but as the text reads that I really believe all that she had been through and how she lingered even at the cross. I believe that she had a sleepless night and the, and the text says that she wakes up even before the sun. Think about all that she had just gone through in the previous days and standing by the, staying at the feet of the cross, watching the one that she loved so much, knowing how Jesus had changed and impacted her life. You know, just like we talked on Friday night. She knew the impact that he had made on her life. She, she understood the change that he had brought in her life. And I believe she wakes up after days of mourning and crying and 
wondering and looking around all over town, wondering how is it that everyone else is going back to normal as if nothing ever happened? How is it that people were able to go buy and go to the grocery store and stop at 7-Eleven and stop at Sheets and get themselves a whatever? And, and yet here she is still in mourning and tears streaming down her face and her heart is aching. Are you hearing me? I believe she wakes up that morning with the full intention that Scripture says on her way to the tomb. I believe she's still mourning, tears streaming down her faces. And if any of you have ever mourned or cried long enough, you know how you wake up with your head pounding from the pain of just being in mourning, out of exhaustion because you're, you're so tired you can't even sleep. That was Mary. The Bible says she walked down to the tomb. In the dark of the morning. How? How could this have ever have happened? How is it possible that the mountains are even still standing? How is it possible that the, the stars are still shining so bright? Because of what he was to her. She sort of had that thought, well, everyone else should be wondering the same as me. Everyone else should be as heartbroken and as, 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 as filled with sorrow as I am. Walking to the tomb that morning thinking, doesn't anybody else realize that two days ago it's as if the whole world collapsed? Watching Jesus taking his last breaths on the cross. sort of how Mary was. There was a difficult side to Mary, and yes, Mary had a past. Yes, she did. Hallelujah. She had a past, but Jesus saw something in her she didn't even see in herself. And when it came to Mary, lots of people around Jesus loved him. Lots of people love Jesus. Other people may have loved him louder, but no one loved him more than Mary. Mary loved Jesus. I believe, as I understand the word, I believe that Mary loved the sense of humor of Jesus. I can even believe that she, she loved so much just the smile. and She loved the way that Jesus would reach out and pick up a young child. She loved his compassion and his care for people. She loved the way that he would stop and heal a blind man crying out for his help. She loved his passion and compassion for people. She loved all of those things about him and so much more. She loved Jesus the most because she understood that Jesus was her deliverer. Jesus was her deliverer. That's why she loved him so much. And anybody in here who's ever been bound by anything, you might be able to understand then why she loved him so much for being her deliverer. If you've ever had Jesus set you free from something, then you could understand the love that she had for Jesus because she understood what it was to be bound by something and to then be set free from it. 
I know sometimes we come into church on Sunday morning, even, even sun, Easter Sunday morning, and we sort of look starchy and whatever and, 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 and held together and put together. But I'm telling you, if you understand that Jesus is your deliverer, it will make you go after him and love him in hot pursuit like never before. Mary understood that Jesus was her deliverer and all that he had brought her from. She knows what it was to be bound. She knew what it was. She, Mary was someone she, who she loved Jesus consistently, and Mary loved him constantly. Mary wasn't one of those like we can be where I love you today and I'm going tomorrow. No, Mary, the Bible says she stayed. Through all of the crucifixion, she stayed. And even when she wanted to get closer to him, the, the soldiers had to elbow her back. Get back! But she saw Jesus in such pain, in such agony when the blood was streaming down his face and going in his eyes from the crown of thorns. And she saw that, that her deliverer taking his last breath, and she just wanted to get close. And I, I'm sure part of her really wanted to just clean him up. Let me, let me help him. But I love him. But, but you don't know how he's helped me and how he's changed my life. See, those of us that have ever really loved someone, you know what I'm talking about. When you have a loved one that dies and all you do is sit by the bed and you rock back and forth and you're wiping their brow and you're trying to cool them off and you're holding their hand. Are you hearing me today? Mary was, was, was forced to be held back. But she wanted to be closer. Because she loved him so much. Because he was her deliverer. He had brought her through so much. She had an amazing, overwhelming gratitude from all that Jesus had brought her from. All that he had brought her from. The Bible says that when Jesus found her, when they first meet that Mary was so bound that she couldn't even lift up her countenance. What do you think about that comparison? When Jesus finds her, when she finds Jesus, she's so bound that she's unable to even lift up her countenance. But here she is now, was at the cross and crying out and crying because she loved him so much. Here's a woman possessed by evil spirits. No, no, no manner to be normal. But how one day everything changed for her because of Jesus. I said one day everything changed for her because of Jesus. See, some of us in this place understand what it is. Some of us give God a, a radical praise because we know what Jesus saved us from. We, we, because we know what Jesus rescued us from. Because we know how he changed us. We, we know, as I said earlier, how trifling we really were. We know how bad of a person we really were. And, and that's what Mary was. Mary was able to linger and cry out. And, and she stayed by his side because she knew what he had brought her from. She knew what he had set her free from. So she was reflecting on all that he had done for her. Mary was one of those people. Some of you have heard me describe her before as Mary was one of those people that when no man would love her, he was the lover of her soul.
Oh, come on, single ladies. Just receive that. Come on, make that your word today. When no man will love you, let him be the lover of your soul. Think about it. Even more than that, Jesus was the keeper of her dreams until she got free. Ah. In other words, all the dreams that you and I had, even when we were a heathen, just because we come to Jesus don't mean they go away. He's holding them. He's the keeper of your dreams until you get free. Oh, God. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. My God, see, you should start thanking him right now. That he, he's the keeper of your dreams. He's holding your dreams in the palm of his hand. He says, and, 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 I still got him until you get right. I still got him until you get all the way free. I, I know you're mostly free, but I, I still got him. I'm still holding him until you get all the way free. Jesus was the keeper of her dreams until she got herself free, until she was unbound from everything that had bound her and held her up and, 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 and hindered her and held her back and caused her to be so bound she couldn't even look up. Jesus, the keeper of her dreams. Hallelujah. I thank you, God, that you have my dreams on hold. Amen. He didn't forget about them. He just has your dreams on layaway. He said, until you're ready, until you are fully ready to receive them, I'm still God. I'm in my layaway plan. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Remember where hills is where the toys are, right? Heaven is where the dreams are. He's still holding your dreams. He's got them. He knows where they are. He says, when you're all the way right, I'll give you your dreams back. Amen. Hallelujah. The keeper of my dreams. That in itself is something to give him praise about today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. She had such a relationship with Jesus that she just loved him so much. Jesus was her friend. Jesus was her friend. Not, 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 not like we have friends, you know, on Facebook and stuff. We're, we're connected, but we don't talk. She wasn't one of the fair-weathered friends. She was a, a real friend, and she loved him. She loved him immensely and intently. They had such a friendship that when, when Mary couldn't come to Jesus, Jesus would come to her. Oh, God. You know, some of us can't relate to that kind of friend. Are you hearing me? Some of us can't relate to that kind of friendship because most of our friendships are fake. And they're not real like that. Are you hearing me? They had the kind of friendship that when, when she couldn't come to Jesus, he'd come to her. He'd jump in the car and drive over in the middle of the night. Are you hearing me? That's her, that's her friend on the cross. When, when, when others had given up on Jesus and walked away, she stayed. When others had given up on her and walked away from her, he stayed. That kind of friendship, right? 
because he had loosed her from sin. Jesus, he had loosed her from depression. He had loosed her from all of her bad choices. Anybody ever make a bad choice? Hallelujah. He had loosed her from discouragement. Oh, God. He had loosed her from all the strongholds. He had loosed her from hopelessness. He, he loosed her from perversion. He loosed her from evil spirits. But what I love is that the story about Mary and as she finds Jesus and, and they get acquainted, Jesus loosed her from all of that. What Jesus did is he just reached out and snatched out all of it. He just took all of it. Are you hearing me? He just reached out and snatched and took it all. Hallelujah. Because that's the God that he is. Hallelujah. Jesus did for her in a moment what she could never do for herself. See, that's what Jesus does for everybody in this place that can't comprehend it. Jesus will do for you in a moment what you can never do in a lifetime for yourself. That's why we celebrate and shout about him being our redeemer. Amen. Come on. That's why we shout about that, 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 that he has the victory. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Because he did for me in a moment what I could never do in a lifetime for myself. Woo! Because he got up, I get up. Because he got the victory, I get to have access to victory. Amen. Hallelujah. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. What can set me free? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. What can heal my body? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. See, if we can just get a hold of understanding what Mary already knew about Jesus and how marvelous he was, I'm telling you, it will change your life. I don't even care. There's sometimes we're saved so long, but we've never really allowed him to just snatch it all. Sometimes I feel like we just need to just, just stand up in the house of God and just say, snatch me, Jesus. Snatch out that ugliness. Oh, I know I'm bitter. Snatch it. Have you ever had a kid get out of line? I know what that is when my kids do something, and I mean, I'll just grab them. By, when they, well, they were little. I, they're too big for me to do that to now. My son would beat me up. Uh, he's four, three times my size. He has muscles as big as my waist. And so he'd crush me. But when they were young and little and ornery, I'd just grab him by the back of the collar and say, what's wrong with you? I'd snatch him up. Come on, parents. You'd snatch him up. And, and some of us, like me, you were snatched up. I was so bad, I got snatched up. Some of us need to remember that what today is about is God snatched me. Snatch me. Snatch it out of me. Come on. Some of us are not totally free. Snatch me, Jesus. Some of us are still bitter and ugly. I have never seen in my life such ugliness coming from the church in this nation and all of my life. Who are you to tell people some of the things that we're telling them? My God, my God, my God. There's an ugliness coming from the, the, the houses of God. And, and all kinds of division and nastiness. Where is the love of Jesus coming from our pulpits and our people? Jesus. Before we can ever reach a world, you've got to say, Jesus, snatch me. Snatch me. 
Snatch up my ugliness and my bad attitude. Snatch up the addiction out of my life. God, snatch up my jealousy. Oh, I know all of those things we don't like to talk about too much. God, snatch those things that still got a hold on me. My God, snatch it. Take it out of me. That's what he did for Mary. That's why Mary was so in all of who he was. That's why she was a woman that loved Jesus so much. That's why she was so broken at the cross. That's why even three days later, she goes to the tomb and is absolutely distraught. Because she knew what it was for Jesus to snatch that stuff out of her life. I am convinced I am convinced, Pastor Don, that most people in a lot of churches in our nation are sitting in churches not really knowing what it's like to have Jesus snatched it from them. Because we're still worshiping with all the same stuff. But Mary knew. Mary was a life that was changed. Some of you might remember that old song back from the 80s, and it said, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. That was her at the cross. I'm a life that was changed. Carla, that's my friend. Please, let me, let me wipe the blood from his eyes. Please, oh, don't, don't, don't pierce him. That's my, that's my friend. Join me. Please, please. And, and all the while, they, they elbow her back. Get back. Get back. She said, but that's my friend. You, you, don't, you don't know what he did for me. You don't know how bound I was. You don't know how ugly I was. He's my friend. Oh, Jesus. See, at the church, we don't know what it is to act like that. We don't know what it is to come to an altar in repentance like that anymore. That was Mary. That's how she loved him. That's how she was broken. Because of what they did to her. Because of what they did to him on the cross. Jesus, help us. Hallelujah. Oh, he snatched it. Lord, come and snatch us this morning. Snatch us this morning. Snatch us, Lord. Mary was one of those people when everyone else forsook him, she followed. When other people got offended, she followed him. She, she was, when, when other people quit, she, she followed him. She followed him all the way to Calvary. She watched him like a sheep gone to slaughter. She watched the crown of thorns be pushed upon his head. She watched them drive the nails through his body. She watched as bloodthirsty fanatics, that's what they were, kept screaming and crying, crucify him, crucify him. And she, she, was down on her knees screaming and crying out for Jesus. She loved him so much she couldn't bear to watch, but she couldn't bear to leave either. She loved him. 
She watched him as they beat him unrecognizably. She watched as they hung him high and stretched him wide. She watched as it all came to an end. She watched as the life left his body. She watched his mangled, torn up body be taken off the cross. She cried out and wanted them to wrap him better, but they were in such a hurry to bury him. She couldn't wrap him better. She couldn't help to prepare his body any better. She just watched in brokenness. My God. I know that Mary loved Jesus. Got tears all over my glasses. I can't see. Hallelujah. I know that Mary loved Jesus. Because real love reciprocates. I said real love reciprocates. Real love always gives back. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're in real love, you can't hide it. And we're not, when, when you and I aren't in love, we can't fake it. Oh, I know we try. Some of us have done or tried to do a real good job. But when you're in real love, you cannot hide it. And when you're not, you can't fake it. Mary just wanted to be near Jesus. She was a giver. We know her as a giver all throughout Scripture. Many people came to just take from Jesus, but not Mary. Just like many people come to church to take, but Mary's not one of them. Mary was a giver. She reciprocated the love that Jesus showed her. She reciprocated it back to him. Hallelujah. She loved him so much, and yet she was a relentless woman. She just didn't let up. That's why we find her in the text even just days later on her way to the tomb in the dark of the morning. She said, they didn't let me get to him. I don't know how I'm going to get in that tomb, but I'm going. Come on, that's what some of you women do. You are relentless like that. That's why the tenacity and the relentlessness of a woman is never outmatched. You you, you will find a way. If there isn't a way to be found, you will make a way. Come on, somebody. That's the real heart of a woman. Oh, come on. When you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, you will find a way. You will sell a sweater. You will sell a couple sweaters. You you will dig through the house looking for money that you hid and go through your pockets. You are relentless like that. Come on. You'll make Easter hardtack candy. You'll do whatever it takes. 
you're relentless like that. Mary was relentless. She knows that Jesus has been sealed up in that tomb. And yet she said, they didn't prepare his body right. That's my friend. I'm going to find a way. I know they're guarding that place, but I'm going to get in there somehow. I'm going to take my spices. I'm going to clean him up. They never should have put him away like that. But just like many of us, she knew there was something that needed to be done, but she would not ask for help. She went all on her own. Oh, yes. She went all on her own. She gets to the tomb, the Bible says, and she sees the tomb is open. Strips of linen cloth and the barrel cloth that was over his face is folded off to the side. Where is he? Where is Jesus? She thought someone had taken him. Where's my master? Where's my teacher? Where's my friend? What have they done with him? She, she loses it because she believes and she thinks that she was cheated of having the opportunity to, to honor him one more time. Anyone else ever have something happen in life where you feel like you've been cheated in some manner of a way that someone took something from you that they never should have taken it from? She was devastated when she gets to the tomb and sees that it empty. What have they done with him? Where have they taken him? And the Bible says, uh, if we can fast forward, the Bible says that she panicked. And the Bible said that in our text that she ran crying out to Peter. They've taken him and I can't, I can't find him. I don't know where he is. Quickly, Peter runs up, jumps up, and begins to run. Oh, hallelujah. Now, remember who Peter was. Are y'all still with me? Oh, and here's where the story begins to change. Starts to change. What I love about Peter, I love this. There's a few places we could have pulled our text from for today. And I was tempted, but I love the way that John, uh, in the book of John chapter 20, writes it. Because it lets us begin to reflect and remember about Peter and the man that he was. Remember who Peter was. Remember that Peter is a man that he got a pass to. And once in a while, the old man would show up, even while he was following Jesus. Uh, remember when they were in the garden and he pulls a sword and cuts off the ear? Uh-huh. Sometimes Peter would even go to cussing. Oh, it's in there. Oh, I know. It's too heavy for Easter Sunday. Lord. Peter, he was a businessman, right? He, the Bible said that he had fleets of boats. You know, he, he had some money. He had some money in the bank. Oh, hallelujah. So there were multiple parts to who Peter was as a man. In other words, Peter was a man that he would deal with his business. That's what I see. When I see him pull his sword and cut off an ear, he was somebody that would do something. He wasn't just words. He was action. Oh, yes. That's who Peter was. And the Bible says that he rose up and he began to take off to head to the tomb. Yes, he was an aggressive man, a man of action. Hallelujah. Same man that they were out on the water. He, Jesus told him, come to me and he, and he walk on water. Oh, God. That's Peter. 
You said, I'm going to go see what in the world you're talking about. Because he's a man of action. Hallelujah. And because he's a man of action, anybody in this room who ever knows what it is to have someone come to you, especially a woman like Mary, come to you and cry out in hysterics and, and, and say, I don't know. He's gone. Someone has taken him. He's not there. I went to the tomb and it, the, the stone is gone. His body is not there. She came to them in hysterics. And if anyone ever has had uh, anyone that you love or a woman even at that come to you and cry and call you up hysterically, if you are a man of action, you will stand to your feet and, 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 and get, to, get ready to go do something. Amen. That's what Peter was doing. He said, I'm going to go check out this situation, what you are talking about. The Bible says he got ready to run and deal with the situation. But remember, Peter is a conflicted man. Some of you have heard me preach and teach a little bit about Peter. He was a conflicted man. There was a lot of things that were, were, he was dealing with on the inside of him. There was a whole other side to him. He was a, he was a conflicted man. Because remember when Jesus was taken from the judgment hall to judgment hall. Remember Peter was also the same man that denied he ever even knew him. Are you with me? The same man that denied that he even knew Jesus now stands to his feet. To go see where he is. But I thought you didn't know him. Now he wants to stand up and be a man of action. Peter wanted to run with everything in him. Peter wanted to run and fix the situation. But how do you run right when you've lived wrong? Did you hear what I said? How do you run right when you've lived wrong? That's why he was a conflicted man. How do you run now towards Jesus when you were so conflicted just days earlier? Denying that you ever knew him. He wanted to run to the tomb and straighten it out. But he knew that after he had denied Jesus, he, he, he probably thought in his mind, I, I don't even know if Jesus wants me. But the Bible says that Peter ran to the tomb anyway. I like that. He may have thought in his mind, I don't even know if Jesus wants me, but I know enough about Jesus that he'll want me anyway. Are you all hearing me today? Oh, my God. Don't go to sleep on me. Don't go to sleep. We're about to get to the greatest part of all. He thinks... After I did what I did, I don't know that he'd ever want to see me. But he knew enough about who Jesus was from walking with him, from living with him, from listening to his teachings, that he knew that he needed to go anyway. Remember, so the text said that Mary ran to Peter. And the text says that Peter and John both ran back to the tomb after Mary came and told him, right? Even the Bible says that John ran on ahead of Peter. He ran on ahead. I said something I don't know. 
last year or a year before, three years ago. I don't remember when it was. But I remember saying for all of my life, I really began thinking that the reason that John outran Peter was because John was younger. But that's not really their issue. It wasn't about age at all. Did you hear me? Peter didn't run as fast as John. And I finally realized when I shared this with the church that, that Peter, the reason he couldn't run as fast as John was because Peter was running with all the baggage of his mistakes. Are y'all hearing me? Oh, my God. Peter couldn't keep up because he was running with all the baggage of what he had done and how he denied Jesus and all the stuff that he was still carrying with him. How many have ever tried to run and get through life with a lot of guilt on your back? Here he is trying to run and fix the situation, but he's carrying the guilt of what he had done and how he denied Jesus. And that when Jesus needed him the most, he wasn't there. I don't know about you, but I know what it is to live life as an adult and still carry guilt. I know what it is to worship God and to try to praise God with guilt. I know what it is to try to be a good father but feel guilty. Or be a good husband and yet be guilty. Here's Peter. He's trying to run and fix a situation, but he's restrained and held back and held down by all the guilt of all the things that he had done wrong. So the Bible says that John ran on ahead. Have you ever tried to run right when you've lived wrong? Have you, how do you and I ever get up when we've gone down? How do we straighten something out when we're so crooked ourselves? My God. But I love Peter because he messed up, but he's going anyway. I love Peter because Peter denied Jesus, but he said, I'm going anyway. I love Peter that he said, hey, I made some mistakes, but I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to see what it is that I'm able to do. Hallelujah. Because there was a tenacity about Peter, and there's even a tenacity about John, and even one about Mary. They said, I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to get to Jesus. Despite all that I've done wrong, despite that I've denied him, I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to find him. Oh, God, I've got to get to Jesus. Peter ran, he gets there. Not knowing whether Jesus would want him there or not. John runs on ahead. John gets there first. Because I believe worshipers always get there first. John was a worshiper. Are you hearing me? John was a worshiper. And worshipers always get there first. That's why the people who get lost in worship in church 
they'll always get what God's releasing first. Oh, hallelujah. While some of you are thinking about worshiping, the worshipers are already getting it. Hallelujah. While some of you are contemplating whether you, 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 should, you should become more of a worshiper and go a little deeper in the things of God and, and get more tenacious and step out and, and, and wander in the aisle or get to the altars of God, worshipers are already getting what, what, what you're contemplating about receiving because worshipers always get there first. And the Bible says that when John got there that he looked in. It's a good picture of the church that some of us get so close to what God has for us and we just look in but we don't go in. We'll even show up on Easter Sunday morning and we'll get so close to the presence of God, to the power of God, and you'll sort of peer in. You'll sort of peer in and you're, you're close to what God wants to do, but you don't go in. And the Bible says that Peter, being the aggressive one that he was, pushed past John and he goes in. He said, I want to see for myself what is going on. I want to see for myself what happened in here. I got to be able to see for myself. Hallelujah. And so he goes in. Glory to God. They get there to the tomb and the men say, the woman is right. He's not here. Can all the ladies say amen? amen. The woman was right. For every man that says you're wrong, this is when the Bible says the woman is right. Glory to God. They said the woman is right. He is not here. Oh, God. God's got a purpose for every person under the sound of my voice today. But maybe you've been delayed by guilt. Like Peter. But even though Peter was delayed by his guilt when he finally got there and he saw John just peering in, he elbowed his way past him and he said, I'm going in. I, I, I'm not going to get so close that I, I can see what happened. I want to step in to what God is doing. Are you hearing me? Some of you need to get that tenacity like Peter and just step all the way in to what God is wanting to do and what he's trying to accomplish in your life. Peter saw the linen strips laying on the floor. He, he saw the, the, the napkin that was around his face sitting across the other side and folded. Amen. And, and the strangest thing is, as we know, there was no odor. There was nothing there. There was no indication that anything had been decaying. Isn't that just like God? Hallelujah. God didn't even allow Jesus to see corruption. He didn't even allow him to see corruption. That's the, that's the kind of God that we serve. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So they stood there trying to figure out what happened. Trying to figure out what happened. They were struggling to believe that he was resurrected. Because every other man, think about this, every other man that was ever raised from the dead, somebody else had to raise him. Imagine being Peter and John at the tomb trying to figure and put this together and think, I, I, I mean, I, maybe, maybe, maybe he did, but, but how did he raise himself? He always showed us it always took a man to raise someone else. So how did that happen? But 
but, but if they stole him, why'd they fold up the napkin? And even if they stole him, how come it don't smell? What have they done with Jesus? Trying to figure this out. Trying to put, 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 all, the, put all the pieces together. Peter was shocked. And yet Peter was confused. Who raised Jesus and, and who loosed Jesus? Maybe doubt even entered their mind and said, well, maybe he wasn't dead, but see, they felt his cold body. They watched the life leave his body, right? They knew that Jesus had died. All kinds of thoughts. If, if, if you and I would be transparent enough to know how our mind works, my mind is a crazy place. I, I know how I might think. I, I probably would have doubted that he had even died. I probably would have wondered if they stole him. And, but I'm probably doubting that he even rose up on his own, that I, there would have to be somebody else. That's what Scripture proves to us. It always occurred only by a man raising them. It always, always there, A prophet always had to call that body back to life. But see, even if God, even if God Almighty raised Jesus, then who loosed him? Because, see, they remembered that when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And when Lazarus came out, they said, now loose him and let him go. Take off his grave clothes, right? So even there, it required a man. So if, if God even raised him, then who loosed him? They were shocked and confused. Because there wasn't any greater prophet to raise him from the dead than Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. What happened to Jesus? Where is he? I know there are people that do not believe that he ever rose from the dead. There are people that believe that. And yet one of the great things is you can believe that if you want to, but if you believe that, then show me the body. In all the years that have gone by, they've never found the body. With all of our technology, we can find little grains of gold in the ground, but we can't find the body of Jesus. With all the things they were able to do and go into space and come right back down in the same day, but yet they can't find the body of Jesus. All, all the miraculous wonders of, of, that we're able to accomplish and, and all of our little cell phones and all those great things that we have in this day, but yet they still can't find the body of Jesus. And there's only one simple explanation. It's because he's not there. He's not buried. They're not going to find his body because he indeed did rise, amen, over 2,000 years ago. I mean, even think about it even more than that. We're a people that we can't keep a secret. And even when people do try to gather together to commit a crime, they always end up turning on one another. Jesus never could have convinced 11 men to keep a secret and stick to the story. There's not 11 Christians I know that you can give the same story to and they're going to tell it the same way. Oh, come on. We can all witness the same thing. We could see someone raised from the dead this morning. We can see a leg grow out. We could see people that couldn't walk begin to walk and 11 people would leave here and tell it differently. So there's a number of ways we could know. I could go on and on. But, but for the sake of getting to where we need to go, I won't.
So what happened to Jesus? What happened to Jesus? Thinking that rolling through their mind, what happened to Jesus? But the question really is, is what happened to Jesus in your life? What happened to Jesus in your worship? What happened to Jesus in your prayer time, right? What happened to Jesus? You, uh, we, we in the church, we tell about everybody else and what they did and what they posted and who they used to be. But what happened to Jesus? Can we just pause for a moment and not worry about anybody else or what anyone else is doing in our families today or the past of anybody else in this room? And let me just ask you, what happened to Jesus in your life? Those men were inside the tomb investigating and looking. They went in to take a look. They were desperate for Jesus like like Mary was, desperate to get to the tomb. Desperate. They were desperately looking for clues of where Jesus might have been. I need him. I, I want him. I'm desperate for Jesus. What happened to Jesus? Where have they taken him? The Bible says, to summarize that later, Jesus appeared to them proved that he was alive. He appeared to him to prove that he was alive. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's what I was saying earlier, that, that, that Jesus' resurrection means death is not an end for you and I. The resurrection of Jesus means that death doesn't mean that it's over for you and I. It, 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 the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, it means because Jesus overcame the grave, you and I get to overcome. Are you hearing me? It, it, it means because you and I are down right now, you and I can get up again. Hallelujah. It means because uh, we, maybe we have lost it all. It means that his resurrection means that I can get it all back again. Or is somebody hearing me? It means that because even though it may feel like it's all over, it's only just the beginning. That's what we were saying earlier. Hallelujah. See, our life can be like a tomb, all shut up, closed in, and appear final. But friend, hey, that tomb isn't closed anymore. Some of you walked through the tomb, and you didn't even realize it. As some of you came in the back entrance, you walked out of the tomb. Oh, my God. You walked out of every dead thing trying to hold on to you. My God. You walked out of every dead thing still clinging and holding on to you for dear life. Oh! Think about that. So for everybody that came in the front door, you might want to go out to the back hallway and then come back out through the tomb. And let every dead thing holding on for dear life fall off in the name of Jesus. Because this is only the beginning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My life is not going to be like a tomb all shut up and closed in. See, this is the day that when empty changed everything. See, we complain when our gas tanks are empty or when our bank accounts, oh God, are empty. We complain when our stomach is empty. Some of you right now, oh, come on. Come on, preacher. I'm hungry. And if I don't eat soon, I'm going to get hangry. We complain when all things in life are empty. 
we're good at complaining when everything is empty, but what about today? When the tomb is empty, you, you and I need to find a praise that is within us where we can begin to thank God. See, well, you need to begin to be one of those people that you can thank God when your gas tank is empty and the gas. I was driving back last, yes, yesterday from South Hills and I forgot to get gas on the way down and my gas light came off. I said, oh, Lord. And I knew I had 50 miles. I thought, well, I'm going to, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I'm watching it as I get into Brownsville, nine miles, eight. I'm thinking, oh, come on. I, I want to stop where I need to stop. I'm not going to stop anywhere else. And then the Lord reminded me, he said, do you remember the word that you're going to preach? I'm driving down, hit 40. And just as I hit 40, I posted the picture yesterday at the end of all the pictures of my grandbaby. A big rainbow went across all of Route 40, headed towards Uniontown. And I said, yeah, I remember the, the, the message for tomorrow. It's when empty changed everything. He said, because when you, when, when, when you allow there to be emptiness, then I can feel you. Are you hearing me? See, we always get upset when things are empty and our bank accounts are. But see, it's just a setup for God to begin to show up and show off as only he can. Are you hearing me? That's what today is all about. It was a setup for God to be able to show up and show off as only he can. Hallelujah. Empty usually looks hopeless and discouraging, but not today. Uh-huh. Not today, devil. Amen. When, when you and I begin to look, I don't care if you go home today and you pull up your Apple and your bank account, and you're like, oh, 69 cents. You need to remember this word when empty changed everything. I'm not telling you this to get something out of you. I'm telling you this because this is the God that we serve. The same God that I served when my bank account was, was empty or when my cars got repoed. I'll never forget in the middle of the night, 4 a.m., the repo man pulls in in a big black tow truck. I'll never forget it. I was preaching. I was preaching the word. Preaching people into the prosperity of who God is and how he wants us to be blessed and the preacher's falling behind. I'm not lying to you. My God, Lois, you can tell them it's true. This is about 10 years ago. I'm not kidding you. I fell behind and all of a sudden there was a knock on my door at four in the morning. And I'm, what in the world's that? My dog's barking. I'm looking out the window and I see a toad. I saw But it was a setup. Watch this. Watch this. Man said, I, I, I said, the funny thing is, is I'll make the payment today. I said, actually, I'm going to be making three of them because God had blessed them. But I said, I couldn't do it. It would have bounced. And, you know, he said, well, I still got it. And I said, God bless you. Take it. I got a few things out of the car that I needed. Called us. I said, Lois, come get me. I got some things to do tonight. We ended up doing them. And when I took a drive, we went down, got my car back. Had it a few weeks, and somebody called. See, when empty is good. Somebody called and said, Pastor, we need to ask you, how much do you owe in your car? I said, I don't know. Too much. I said, when I need a dollar. I said, I have to call. I was just sort of, it honestly was irritated. You know? So I'm like, I don't want to be reminded of how much I don't have. 
How many ever just avoided Bill? So I called and I told him, I'm thinking, what in the world? I get the amount, I text him or call him or something. And I said, here. I think it was 16,000 something, still a little more. I said, all right, can you meet us? We're going to pay your car off. I tell you that because it was an opportunity that when empty was good. Maybe if my car had never got repoed, they never would have known the need. Some of you are so afraid of what empty might look like. Oh, God. But today I can stand here and tell you I'm grateful for what empty looks like. Empty lets me know I can get up again. Empty lets me know, it allows me to look at my bank account when it, maybe when it starts getting a little bit low and i got to do a transfer from one place to another or anybody else know what I mean? Hallelujah, that, that I can give God thanks. Hallelujah, that empty is good. It lets me know when my belly even starts getting a little empty, I can give God thanks because empty doesn't mean final, hallelujah. See, empty it does not mean final, but, but when the tomb is empty, see, Jesus is alive. When we are seeing emptiness in our life, I'm telling you, it's an opportunity for God to do what only he can do. Hallelujah. Jesus has risen from every obstacle. Jesus has risen above everything said about him. Even Jesus has risen above everything and everyone that ever doubted him. Jesus was the one who, 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 who rose above every expectation of his followers. He rose above it all. He, he rose above all the powers of the Roman Empire. Jesus did that. You and I need to know that the resurrection power we have in Jesus allows us to rise above all the expectation of others. All the things that people remind us about who we were. Come on, somebody. The resurrection power of Jesus, it means old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus rose above death, hell, and the grave. He's risen above the sting of death and has snatched all the power out of his hands. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus did that. What I love about today is resurrection doesn't mean that it doesn't get dark. Oh, it will get dark. But the day will break again. And resurrection will come life will come again it doesn't mean that you and i will never go down it doesn't mean that things won't happen it doesn't mean that you and i won't get confused it doesn't mean that we won't have pain it doesn't mean that we won't have struggles hallelujah hallelujah but the resurrection means that he does not that he does not need our strength to do the miraculous the resurrection means that he can do it all by himself amen he just needs you and i to be willing to be used are you hearing me today hallelujah that's what today represents the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ sets you and I free from all of our past. I don't have to be an old person that I used to be just trying to be better. Jesus did it all. 
I know one thing about today. If Jesus has the power to be raised from the dead, then he has the power to pay your rent next month. If he has the power to be raised from the dead, then he has the power, are you hearing me, to, to pay your car payment. If he has the power to be raised from the dead, then he has the power to, to heal your body. If he has the power to do what we are celebrating today, then surely he has the power all by himself right now to help you where you need help right now. He has the power and the ability to help you get through another day. We sang it earlier. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. That's because he lives. You and I need to be able to hear and celebrate today when empty changed everything. Because of the empty tomb, it changes everything. Hallelujah. I can be broke right now, but I won't be broke forever. Amen. We can even be lonely today, but I'm not going to be lonely forever. I can even be in trouble right now, but I won't be in trouble forever. Hallelujah. Why? Because early Sunday morning, he got up. I said earlier Sunday morning, he got up. He got up because he got up, I get up. Hallelujah, and empty changes everything. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for changing everything. Will you stand to your feet this morning? I'm gonna stop right there. We could go on and on and on about the resurrection of Jesus. And because of his resurrection, what it does for you. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna step into our victory today. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. We magnify you and we bless you. We worship you today. Honor you. you'll dare today to let him snatch you oh like he snatched Mary out of where she was some of you I dare you to make that your prayer today just snatch me Jesus snatch that out of my life snatch, snatch that, that, that part of my old man that's still living and breathing Snatch that, that part of who I used to be that's still trying to come to life again. Snatch it, Jesus. Snatch that bitterness. Snatch that anger out of me. Snatch that, that hate out of my heart. Snatch that ugly side of me. Snatch, I, I just dare you to just start asking God to snatch you like he did Mary. Allow your life to be forever changed. For everybody else who says, I'm snatched already. He's already messed me up from the floor up. And then, then I want you to be the kind of people that can say today, oh, hallelujah, because, because the tomb is empty, amen, I have victory. Because even if I go down, I'm going to get back up again. Even if I fall sick in my body, he'll heal my body. Even if I feel all closed up and shut up like I'm in a tomb all by myself, I will rise again and I will come forth, amen. That's the God that we serve because of the resurrection power of Jesus. Dead things can come to life again in us. I don't care whatever looks dead and life in your life right now 
Today is about a hope of a brand new day, a new morning for your life, a brand new day for who you are, a brand new season for our lives. Hallelujah. Today is all about letting you know that dead things can come to life again and that when you come out of that tomb, you won't even smell like death. Hallelujah. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in the furnace and when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Come on, somebody, that God wants to bring you and I out so much so that you won't even smell like where you've come from. That's how he's a God of resurrection. He's a God of resurrection power. God of resurrection power. Glory to God. Jesus. You're getting back up again. Strength is swelling up inside of you. Touching you and I. Ministering to us. Healing us right now in this moment. Father, I pray for your people in this room right now. Father, I pray that every person that says, snatch me, and that reaches towards the heavens and says, Lord, please snatch me. I love you, but God, it's, there's some stuff that still don't belong. Snatch me. Take everything that God, they're willing to surrender. Take everything that God doesn't belong and isn't a part of who you are, that isn't a part of the character of who you are. Snatch them, arrest their hearts in the name of Jesus. And God, let every other person come to an understanding of the real, powerful, genuine resurrection power of who you are today, that God let dead things come to life. God, let them begin to see where how empty is a blessing. That Lord, when their marriage is running on empty, it can be a blessing. When their checkbook is running on empty, it can be a blessing. That God, when, when their gas tanks run on empty, it can be a blessing. That when, when, when the cupboards start getting empty, it can be a blessing. That God, it's a setup for you to show up. It's a setup, God, for you to demonstrate your power. So Father, I just pray over your people today. Arise, O oh Lord demonstrate your power arise Lord in every financial situation arise in every sick body arise in every person struggling in their finances demonstrate your power arise God in every dead barren area of our life and demonstrate your power that God will have an understanding a true amazement God of the real genuine resurrection power of who you are how you can take what is empty and fill it to overflowing again. How you can make it more than enough. Oh God, I thank you. I thank you that it was empty for a reason, that you could rise again and then ascend into the heavens, sit at the right hand of the Father, and that Lord, we're able to have access to you through the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful to God that we are able to have a greater relationship with you because of the Comforter who is the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful that God, you had a greater plan, a more powerful plan than we ever did. There was more all along. The tomb might have been empty, but it was empty so that we could be filled. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Filled. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with more of you. Filled to overflowing. God, I praise you and we bless you today. God, we adore you. Father, we just take time right now to thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the death, burial, and yes, the resurrection. We're thankful and grateful today that you are alive and alive forevermore, sitting at the right hand of the Father. My God. 
We're thankful for the Godhead. We're thankful for all the aspects of who you are, the intrinsicities of all the awesomeness of you. And, and God, the, the, the thoughts that you have put out and the plan of our salvation. I'm thankful that when I'm weak, that Lord, you are strong. I'm thankful that God, when I'm poor, you make me rich. I'm thankful that when we're sick, you make us whole. That's the God that you are because you're the God with of resurrection power. And that God, whatever is dead in our life and empty in our life can come back again and more. So Father, today, I pray resurrection power over your people. God, I pray that you would show up in miraculous, amazing ways, that God, you would allow things that seem to be over and dead to come to life again. I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, let this be a day that we just don't sit around tables and eat with family and laugh and care and let it be a day where we witness the power of you rising up rise up within us rise up within our churches rise up within our families hallelujah rise up oh god and demonstrate your power father as we leave this place and we go about our week i thank you god in just 50 days 50 days from today is pentecost oh god oh god would you come like a rushing mighty wind into our lives overwhelm us overwhelm us capsize everything that doesn't belong drive out religion and set us completely and absolutely on fire for you for the cause of Christ in this place bless your people bless this day bless our offering and tithes as we give it on the way out bless every family and everyone attached to the members that are in this place and online right now I decree and declare resurrection power over their life let them see resurrection in their life right now in the name of Jesus. And God will give you the glory. We'll give you the honor. And Lord will give you the praise in Jesus. Your mighty name, church, says amen and amen. Happy Resurrection Sunday, everybody. God bless you. Take the resurrection power with you and have a blessed week.